Good morning, family. It is so good to worship with you. Uh, a reminder that God blesses us and loves us, and we are family is with these two roses that God has added once again to our covenant family. Are we not a growing family? At least we got some health of creating kids, uh, beautiful covenant children. We're so excited with that. This week, what a special week for the Langmos. Out of nowhere, uh, thinking of adoption, this uh, came quicker than they thought. Jenna Joy Langmo, adopted daughter of Don and Diane Langmo, born August 31st, 2007. Yahoo for the Langmos. Uh, we are so excited to have Jenna with us. And also, we didn't want to have Brooks uh, Tremaine, Alexander Brooks Tremaine, feel bad. He didn't get a rose last week because uh, the timing of the whole deal on a Labor Day weekend. It's Saturday night at 1230, so he got one in as well. But let us rejoice together that God loves us and he loves our children. Hey, turn with me in your Bibles. Let's look again together at the uh, book of Acts, an incredible uh, book that God has given to us. We're in week three of four uh, in a study of keys to a healthy church. And what we're doing is we're looking for these keys in God's word. We spent the last two weeks this morning, and we'll spend next week right here in, in Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. And we're looking through the window of Scripture we're peering through into the, uh, the early church and we're asking God's spirit to come and to give us grace and illumination to teach us what we need to have here at Orangewood some 2,000 years later for us to be a healthy church. So let's read together again uh, God's word in Acts 2 verses 42 through 47. Being mindful that this is God's holy and errant word. Because he loves us, he's given us his word that will teach us and lead us to truth and to his son, Jesus. Let us read together. As they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe, holy awe, fear, awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Remember, we've looked at this. This is a table of nations. It's amazing that they have all things together. But when Christ is our all in all, we have all things together. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any that had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness. And this is like an exuberant joy. This is like the most excited your heart can be that you just want to stand up and dance and do a little jig, you know? This is how excited they were. I'll try not to dance. In generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. Family, would you please pray with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you would love us enough to come into our midst and into our worship that as we have sung is the reality that you desire to inhabit our praise, that you desire to speak to us, your children, through your word and through the power of your spirit. Father, we're here for you. Because of you, because of the work of your Son and the power of your Spirit. So Father, we're here to worship you, to give to you our worship, and to receive from you 
your spirit, your shaping, your joy over us in Christ. Spirit, would you come with power through the preaching of your word. Father, please, for your glory and for the fame of Jesus, open our ears. Not to hear my words. I have nothing to say that's redemptive. Nothing to say that can truly make us any different. But you, through your word and spirit, you have everything to say because you hold the truth and the words of life. So speak, open up our ears to hear afresh from Jesus. Spirit, illumine our minds so we can understand your word. Spirit, soften our hearts. Remove the stoniness that's still there so that we can be shaped by you. Father, through the Spirit, empower our feet so we can walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. We pray, please, come and speak so that you receive glory and we receive joy. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'll never forget waking up in Istanbul. If you've been to Istanbul, it's an amazing city, amazing history. Uh, as I was there uh, uh, on a trip with Orangewood, and we were ministering to uh, the Christian church that remains there in the most historic city, one of the things that you will immediately sense is how different that culture is and how foreign you feel, especially as a Christian. And as we would wake up, we wake up to the sound it, it, through loudspeakers of a call to prayer. We were very close to the famous Blue Mosque right there in Istanbul. And the sound of prayer calling folks to come and to pray was very eerie. It was kind of scary. It, it kind of woke you up to sound like, is someone getting beaten up in the lobby? What is happening? Is my door locked? Oh, that's coming over the loudspeaker. That sound is a call for those in the Muslim faith to come and to pray. I remember going and, and seeing, it was, it was Ramadan, it was a time of a festival for them, a, a, a heightened uh, awareness for their religion, and they would come in droves to the temple, right there at that blue mosque. And it was amazing to watch them worship, the women separated from the men, the formality of their worship, how uniform they were. I mean, I don't know how they all have a click in their ear or something, but they all bow at the same time, and down they'd go. They'd all bow in reverence. And I was also amazed with the lack of joy. There's no singing. There's no enthusiasm. There was just a lack of joy. And I was thinking, their worship is so different than ours. And right across from the Blue Mosque is the Hagia Sophia, the one of the most important churches in Christendom, especially as, as Constantinople was the capital. And since about the 5th century, this really was the center hub of Christianity. An incredible center where God's word was proclaimed. And if you can sit inside the, this incredible, at one time, church, later become mosque, the dome. You ready for how big the dome is? The Empire State Building. I'm sorry. No, that's not true. The, uh, the uh, Statue of Liberty. That's what I'm looking for. The Statue of Liberty can fit inside. It's how big this is. But it was eerie. It was eerie being in there. I mean, don't you know there's some places you just feel close to God? I mean, have you been there? I mean, it's true that places really can shape our experience. I mean, going into some cathedrals, and sometimes there's just this awe and this wonder of who God is, even in the architecture. But in there, it was, it was, it was spooky. 
Because you see, it was a church, and then it became a mosque, and now it's kind of a museum. And so there, they were trying to retrieve the mosaics from the wall that pointed to Christ, and pointed to our faith. And there were some beautiful, incredible mosaics, but also right there were the symbols of the Muslim religion. And it was all right there. It was like in your senses, thinking, what is this place? This place was famous for worship. How can we find worship here? There's been a lot of confusing things of really what worship is in our society now. We're even going to go back and look some 2,000 years back into God's Word and ask the same kind of question. What really is worship? Because to have a healthy church, we must be a worshiping community. Listen, whoever you are, whatever you believe, if you are a, a follower of Jesus Christ or not, our hope and prayer that even this morning you would be, God has made us to be worshipers. Every single one of us. We are created to worship. We'll either worship ourselves. We'll worship creation. We are going to worship something. Because God has created us to worship. And through the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can worship the true God in spirit and in truth that truly gives us life. That He truly does receive gladly. Worshiping the God who is. But we got to look back and say, God, there's a lot of confusing thoughts and symbols in our own society today. A lot of people who will say, this is how we need to worship and this is how uh, not to worship. But let us look into God's word and ask the question, how? Because clearly, the early church was a worshiping, day by day, worshiping community. And it begins with this. And again, over the last few weeks and even next week, I've looked at the word awe, the awe that was in the early church, and used that to to teach from God's word. And the first thing we see is this, the awe of worship that touches God. The early church was realizing where they fit in redemptive history. The Holy Spirit has been poured upon them. They were given a new heart and a new spirit to worship. And they were in awe that they were able to touch God with their worship. That their worship really was not so much where God was far off, but that God was near. Don't you long for that? Isn't that awesome? You just know God is there to worship. This year I was able to go to uh, the TPC, the Players' Championship Golf Tournament outside of Jacksonville in Ponte Vedra. Very very exciting golf tournament. Uh, it's, it's almost a major. And they've built this whole golf course in a way that it's built for the fans to come. It's stadium seating, so you're close by and you can see uh, all the action right there. And it's an amazing golf course. But you drive on the facility, and again, it's one of those country clubs that a lot of times when they see me coming and I'm not with some other friends, they drive me away. But today I had a ticket to get in. A ticket for entrance. Not only that, I had a special ticket. I had a ticket, it was actually a badge, and as I wore this badge around, it allowed me to go to some pretty cool places through the generosity of some friends. They had a, like this big tent they set up on the 18th green. And right there, there's, there's food to eat, and there's drinks, and you've got this incredible view, the 18th green, and you know not everybody can go there. I had the badge. i got to tell you, I felt like big stuff, man. I mean, I just... Walking, I got the badge. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to get something to eat. And I guarantee you, I'm going to, I'm going to cause someone pain because I'm going to eat more than I should. All right? And I'm going to take the free food for me. It's just a beautiful thing. I'm going to be right there in air conditioning. I'm going to watch the golf. It was awesome. But what we didn't have was the real pass. 
top of the hill, the new clubhouse for the holy of holies of golf. For those who really had the coin and a special badge to let them in. And we were with a foursome that only two of us had that badge. So you know what we had to do? We had to swap it out. I mean, it was so embarrassing. You have two people to stand there. Ooh, there they go. As they went up into the Holy of Holies of the Golf Shrine of TPC and were able to see the hallowed grounds of the clubhouse. Wow, it's only for a select few. You see, in the early church, something incredible has happened. They had a badge. They had a badge of the blood of Christ. And by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, and the Holy Spirit as an authentic document saying, yes, you're mine, there was access to the Holy of Holies like they've never had before. You see, you got to remember, these, these folks, mostly Jewish, came to worship at a temple. They still were going to the temple. And when they went to worship at the temple, they're, they're carrying their goats. They're carrying their sheep. They're carrying a pigeon. They're carrying something they're going to have to slaughter to get, try to get close to God. Because they knew that they were sinners. Clearly their sin has defiled them from a holy God's presence. And clearly God's word is says, don't come into my presence without some blood for your sins. And not only did they have to come and they had to bring with them a livestock or a goat or something to slaughter to be able to come and worship. Only one had the badge before Christ came. Only one had the badge to go into the Holy of Holies. And he was the high priest. And only he could go in one time a year. And as he went in, he too had to go with some blood for his own sin and the sin of his people. And that was the contact with God. Listen, they had fear of God. They had fear of God, but they didn't have that intimacy with God. Think think about this. They read through scripture and they got to a guy named Joel. And Joel prophesied that there's going to be a day when I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. And the Spirit's going to fill all men and women. And there's going to be prophesying in my name. And the Spirit is going to come and unite you to me and worship. Not only that, they read about Jeremiah. And Jeremiah said there's a new covenant coming. A new covenant, and now it's in Christ Jesus where our heart of stone has been taken away. We've been given a heart of flesh where God is going to write his own word right on our hearts. There's a new day coming and Jesus has ushered this new day, this new kingdom era into us. A new day of worship. Why was there awe and worship in the early church? Because they had access to God. For their whole life, they were said, you're not good enough to really get close. You don't have the right badge. You know, you can't get that close. And all of a sudden, through the work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, heaven has been rent. It's been ripped open. And sinners like you and me have access to a holy God 24-7 and come and worship. And awe fell upon them. Awe fell upon them as the Holy Spirit came and united their hearts to Christ. And they were able to worship together. And that is the picture we see in the early church, is that they could come and worship. They could do that, which God had created them to do, worship the true God. That they could go to worship without a sacrifice. Can you imagine what this place looked like? We all had to bring something to slaughter. Can you imagine the sounds, the smells? At a time of silence, I'm like, man, Orangewood can't be quiet. And we're so loud. We can imagine the bleeding of sheep and goats and cows trying to get access to God. There's such good news. 
Jesus' shed blood was sufficient sacrifice for us all. We don't need to come in here and shed any more blood. His was shed for us. He has opened up heaven's doors for us. In Christ Jesus, we have full access. Now, again, it's not just one person. It's not that high priest. Now, all of us, the priesthood of believers. And it's not just one time a year. Let me ask you. If I were to say to you, wouldn't it be amazing if God gave us his presence once a year? Wouldn't it be amazing if I said once a year you and me, sinners like us, could get in God's presence? If that were the message of the Bible, we would have reason to rejoice. But the message of the Bible is such greater good news. Is that sinners like you and me, 24-7, through the work of Christ, have a badge that the Father sees and says, anytime. Come. Come and worship. You don't need any more animals. Come. The Holy Spirit has given you access to all. As we come, we touch God with our fellowship. We really do. He says He's here with us. Where two or more are gathered, He says that He is here. And that's, that, that's one of the things we've got to realize. That God has called us here so we can have access to Him. So that we can touch Him. And we can have community with Him. If you were here last week, we talked about this fellowship that they were sharing in. The fellowship begins with you and me, image bearers, being reunited to God through Christ. Listen, our fellowship first and foremost is with Him. It's unbelievable. He's called us into relationship with Him. And He says, come and worship so that you can truly have access and fellowship with me. Fellowship with me through my word. Fellowship with me through, my, through the Spirit that is here. Fellowship with one another. Uh, we touch God through our fellowship and worship. Because he says this, do we believe it? Where two or more are gathered, he is here. You see, the, the book of Acts, Luke is so excited. is because the story of Christ is not over. The whole point of the book of Acts is that Jesus is here with us. He's there with Stephen when he's getting stoned. He's there with Paul on the road to Damascus. Jesus is the hero of the story. The cross wasn't the end. The cross really was the solution. And now the early church was getting it. The Spirit was poured upon them. This is new life in Christ Jesus. And they were so excited that they could come and have still touch Jesus in their worship. Do you expect to touch Jesus when you come? When you come through this door into this sanctanasium, do you expect Jesus to be here? Because He is. He says, I'm going to let you touch me. I'm going to let you touch me through worship. We touch God with our prayers because He truly listens to His children's prayers. Throughout this text, it mentions that they prayed. There was literal prayers. It talks about the prayers. It's formal. There was a prayer service in the early church. One of my favorites is Spurgeon. And Spurgeon uh, is an 18th century preacher, 19th century preacher in the 1800s in London. And he preached to thousands. And thousands came to Christ. Great reformed theology. But he just loved Jesus. But as he preached, there were hundreds, if not thousands, praying for him. Praying for the service. Because God hears the prayers of His people, uses the prayers of His people. It's a way for us to touch God. He's really here. We touch God with our praise. He listens to our songs. 
He listens and delights in us and He sings with us. Now there's a couple of things that I'm going to give you as the awe of worship that touches God. It's kind of like, I put that on a side note, it's a little potpourri of worship stuff that I just got to get to you, all right? So write some of this down. Uh, it, there's a place to follow along in the bulletin. But it's this, worship needs to be 24-7 now because what Christ has done for us and through us. Our lives are a living sacrifice for Him, giving back to Him what He has given to us. What does it say? It says this, day by day the early church was engaged in worship. This was not just something they did one in seven. This is something every day. It's a 24-7 privilege for us. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Day by day, our lives need to be a living testimony for Him. There was both formal and informal uh, worship. They both worshipped in the temple and in their homes. Interestingly, they went back to the temple. The temple hadn't been destroyed yet. It had to be awkward because they were going back to a place they knew to worship, and there were still some things about worship that had changed, like sacrificing animals. But there was still a formality to their worship and an informality to their worship. I think we need to have both as well. A time for formal worship, a time for informal worship. There was a time for reverence and a time for joy. There was a time for awe. You know that there were times they just sat and they said, Lord, I'm going to be still. I'm just going to once again go to the cross. And just realize that he became my sin. And there was times of joy. I mean, times of joy that's described in the Greek to go well beyond our church's norm. Really, they were probably dancing like David. They were so excited they couldn't contain their joy. Think about it. They had access to God like we do. Think about it. Heaven has been thrown open. Think about it. Their sins have really been forgiven. Think about it. God had just given them the Holy Spirit. Talk about joy. Once we're not a people, now they're a people of God. All of God's promises are yes in Christ Jesus. How can you not dance? How can you not sing? It just burst out because of the reality of what Christ has done. There was both times of reverence, of awe, of fear. There's also times of joy with glad hearts and being undignified and dancing. It was sacramental. There were, there were tangible signs of the work of Christ that they had. Right before, in verse 41, it says that thousands were baptized. You see, Jesus wants to touch us. We're going to talk about that through the two sacraments. But our worship needs to be sacra- uh, sacramental. Tangible ways that God touches us and that we touch Him through the Lord's Supper, through baptism. It needs to be in spirit and truth. John 4, 24 makes it very clear. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And another thing that uh, theologians like to talk about that's very important is something called the regulative principle. That man can't invent ways to worship God. One thing very clear about the story of the Bible is was when man thinks of a new creative way to worship God on his own, apart from the way God has prescribed him to be worshipped, Bad things happen. Because God is God and He's saying, there's only one way to me to worship me. There's only one way to have access. That's through Jesus. There's no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to worship, you've got to worship in spirit and truth. See, but the incredible thing is we get to touch God through our, our worship. But Orangewood, I think you probably know that. 
But what we often miss is the awe of being touched by God in worship. The awe of being touched by God in worship. Again, Luke records for us that the story continues. That Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Do we believe it? Jesus is here through His Word, through His Spirit. And He desires for us to come here because God is doing something. And God wants us to come as His people, his, those that He has called out. The church, the ecclesia, those, those called out to come into God's presence. Listen, worship is about God, us entering into God's presence and letting God shape us. Sometimes we think, and there's a point of truth to it, that worship is about us coming and giving something to God. I'm going to come, I'm going to show up, I'm going to schedule this, I'm going to come, I'm going to give God, you know, a tithe and an offering, some songs, and I'm going to turn my heart to Him. But really, Orangewood, if we get this, worship is about being touched by God. Coming here so He can shape us. Coming here so He can speak to us. Coming here so we can become more like Him. God is moving in our midst and he wants to make us more like Jesus. What's your most important appointment in your calendar this week? Well, my guess is it probably depends on who you're meeting with. And if it's meeting with me, I'm your most important appointment this week. But truthfully, I I called a friend, uh, a member of this church this week and said, hey, I'm going to go to Ocala on Wednesday. Uh, There's a a meeting for some businessmen to talk about the kingdom and business. Uh, Richard Pratt's going to be speaking. Can I please uh, take you? I'm going to take a couple and uh, we're going to go up and and hear Richard and, and get excited about what our businesses can do for Christ and his kingdom. And do you know that this member said he had a more important meeting? He was meeting with his daughter for lunch. Now listen, don't, make, don't say, nah. I'm like, yes, good for you. He, he knew what was important in his calendar. It's going to be, listen, I, I, I'm a family. I, I gotta, this is something I do that I love to do. And I think you guys took that wrong. I'm not saying that was wrong. I think that's awesome. But look at, when you look at your appointment book, probably the person that you're meeting with is going to determine the importance of that meeting. Makes sense, doesn't it? How does worship fit in? This is meeting with God. He wants to touch us. He wants to shape us. And yet, I think that we don't see worship as the most important appointment in our weekly schedule. And although it really is meeting with God. I I ran into someone yesterday at a volleyball tournament, and uh, she doesn't go to this church. And I say, hey, you coming to Orangewood tomorrow? Because no, I've already decided not to come to church. Okay. It just seems so flippant for our society. That we don't even, the church attendance, well, I'll make it if I can. God wants to meet us. Swindoll says this, we have become a generation of people who worship our work, who work at our play, and who play at our worship. The Lord said this, this has made one of the big ten. Remember the Lord's day. Keep it Holy. And somewhere along the, lo- the way, the Lord's day has become our day. I hear it. I hear it. You know what? Sunday's the only day of rest for me, really. I mean, I'll make worship if I can. But it's my day to kind of get caught up. It's my day. It's my day. It's my day. It's the Lord's day. From creation, a creation ordinance is He's created us to worship. And He's created us to worship Him one in seven. Every seventh day, we should be worship. We should be stopping. It should be. It's, it's holy, not because it's something different about the day particularly. 
The sun came up like every other day. It's holy because he says, I've made it holy. Set it aside. Because, listen, we got to believe this. We really have to believe this. We are wired, not only for worship, we're wired for Sabbath. We need rest. We need him. We need to stop. We need to say, I'm going to get off the merry-go-round one in seven. And my day is going to be a day of rest and worship. And it's not going to be just my day. It's going to be his day. God, realign me, recreate me, make me more like Jesus. We need to be his people in worship. And we need to be doing it one in seven. Because we need to meet here with him and say, God, touch us. Well, how does God touch us? He touches us through the preaching. He uses broken sinners. I mean, it is, it is amazing to sit here and be able to have this privilege, but it's, it's, it's trembling with fear. But God says, I'm going to use broken sinners to preach my word in a way that it's living and active, in a way that it will pierce our hearts, our souls, and teach us. He's going to teach us through the preaching of the word. He touched the apostles, the apostles' teaching. They dedicated themselves. And as the apostles touched the early church, they also touch us through the word. Uh, let me say uh, Romans 10, uh, verses 14 and 15, tell us very clearly how are we going to come to Christ if we don't hear. We're people of the ear. And the only way we hear is through the preaching of the word. How does he touch us? He touches us through the sacraments, through the breaking of the bread and, the, and, and baptism. Remember on the road to Emmaus, Reggie alluded to it earlier. On the road to Emmaus, it wasn't until the sacraments, until the breaking of bread, that they realized who Jesus was. Do we believe it? You see, Jesus shows up in these sacraments in a spiritual way to make us more like Christ. It's true. The Lord's Supper is not something we do every week because it's church. It's something we say, Jesus, come and touch me. Come and remind me of how much I need you. Come and make me more like Jesus. Every time we baptize a a new believer or we baptize a covenant child, it's those waters that point to the blood of Christ where he touches us and reminds us of his covenant love for us. He reminds us of the Christ-shed blood. He touches us through the sacraments. He touches us through one another, through the body of Christ, as we pass the peace and we touch one another and we remind one another he is with us. He touches us through worship. The amazing thing about God's word as we look into Hebrews 2 and Psalm 22, we realize it's not just our voice that's singing, it's His. But Jesus enters into this space and He sings over us with love and with joy. Do you hear His voice? You see, the last thing is the awe of worship of God that touches each other. Hebrews 10, 24 says, we're not to neglect the meeting of one another. Hebrews 10.24 says this, And let us consider how to stir one another on to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day of the Lord nearing. My brothers and sisters, I need you. I need you in worship. I need you to spur me on to love and good deeds, and we need one another. God says this, don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. We're made individually for him, and we're made corporately for him. Don't neglect it. He's made us to worship him. He says, set aside one out of seven. Gather as my family. Sing my praises. Read and preach my word. Administer my sacraments. I will meet with you. I will shape you. And I will fill your your place with my presence. But we need one another. How have we become? Where is worship on our orders of importance on our daily schedule, our weekly schedule? You see, here's the bottom line. We have access to God. Hey, just, just think about this. I'm closing. 
Sinners like you and me who deserve God's wrath, who deserve hell, through the work of Jesus Christ, His Son, and the love He's lavished on us, we don't get hell. We get sonship. We get adoption. Those who deserve to be just driven away from God's presence, He ushers us in through the Spirit and says, Come, I have forgiven your sins. I've robed you in my Son's righteousness. I've made you my own. I'll never change my mind about you. I'm going to give you all that my Son deserves. I'm going to give to you. I promise you life and life abundantly and life eternally. I am your God. You are my children. I will never, ever stop loving you. Do you have reason to worship? Do you have reason to sing? That's who we are. God has opened up who he is and access to him through the work of his son and the power of singing uh, through the spirit. Can we help but singing? Can we help but saying, God, thank you for the privilege of worshiping you because a healthy church is a worshiping church. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the incredible work of your son that we don't have to come in here carrying a goat or or a sheep or a pigeon to sacrifice to gain access to you. Father, we thank you that Joel's prophecy was fulfilled, that the Spirit has come. We see that in the book of Acts, and that we truly have been given new hearts and new ability to worship you in spirit and truth. Jesus, thank you for all that you have done for us so that every promise the Father has given to the church is yes in you. And now we have bold access to come and to sing your praises. And as we really get this good news, we can't help but sing. So here we are to sing your praises. Receive them, we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Will you stand and sing with me, please?